0: everyone welcome to our latest i am vivian one of the co-hosts of the pulse podcast today we have eric kinari Walla, founder and ceo of capsule a technology company rebuilding the 425 billion pharmacy industry from the inside out with an emotionally resonant experience and technology that enables customized outcomes for doctors hospitals insurers and manufacturers our purpose is to capture the pulse of healthcare innovation spanning leaders across healthcare ecosystem super excited to talk about Capsule today. Based out of New York, Capsule has raised $270 million from investors such as TCV, Thrive Capital, and Sound Ventures. We're thrilled to have Eric on the podcast. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks, and It's great to be here.
0: Before we dive into Capsule, um, we really like to have this icebreaker question, and we're open to you providing more than one answer. Um, so the question is, what did you want to be when you were growing up?
1: You know, I've always been fascinated by uh, by planes, and so growing up as a little kid, I wanted to be a pilot. And I just think planes are the kind of the coolest things that humans have invented. And so I was really into the Wright brothers, and and just and just. I think it's completely transformed the way we live our lives. And so many of us weren't alive when planes first came about, but I can only imagine what the world was like when, you know, you were limited to where you could go in a, in a pretty slow car. Um, and now we have, I think, taken for granted, but it's just such an amazement of the power of human ingenuity to be able to hop on a plane and be halfway across the world. And I think it's completely changed the world and society and our exposure to other cultures and meeting other people. And, um, and and so I've just um, always been fascinated by that and so I didn't end up being um, I didn't end up being a professional pilot um, and I decided uh, you know I decided to spend the early part of my career as an investor learning about businesses and markets and Mm -hmm. more recently have uh, have obviously started capsule Um, and but but I did about 10 years ago get my pilot's license and (laughs) sort of fulfilled uh, my childhood ambition and in some small way and Uh, And it's been really rewarding to be able to do that. Um, But it's a very sort of, I think it's a very peaceful thing in some ways when you're literally above the fray uh, when you're up in the air. And so it's always been a a place that's been sort of just a a place of solace for me. You're you're intensely focused on what's around you and and flying the machine and and all of those things. But, um, you know, there's, there's, there's nobody up there and you can't be distracted and you're really focused. And so... It's been really fun for me to be able to do that um, all of these years later.
0: That's awesome. You actually achieved what you wanted to be. Given that uh, you know, Capsule was your first and very successful entrepreneurial endeavor, what is sort of the story behind how you were inspired to launch Capsule? Can you tell us a little about your early entrepreneurial journey?
1: I was living on the Lower East Side of New York in the beginning of 2015. And, uh, and I, you know, I'd spent the early part of my career as an investor. I was at Bing Capital for a couple of years and then an investment fund both in New York and London called Perry Capital. And I was investing in uh, retail companies and healthcare companies and technology companies, which didn't make a whole lot of sense when I was 25. But on, you know, on, a, on a cold, snowy day in January of 2015, I woke up one morning with this throbbing headache and I called my doctor and Mm -hmm. he asked me a series of questions and very quickly said, don't worry about it. You've got a sinus infection. I will call a prescription in. uh, Go get it. I was like, perfect. And so Mm -hmm. I put my coat on, and I went out on this snowy day, and I I walked to uh, my corner chain pharmacy down on Lower East Side. And the second I walked in, literally everything you can think about going wrong with the pharmacy went wrong for me, starting with I'm kind of meandering through these aisles walking past you know soap and cigarettes and greeting cards and i can't actually find the pharmacy part of the drugstore uh so i end up asking somebody buying the cash register you know hey where's your pharmacy and she very politely points me to you know, she's like hey it's in the ph- it's in the basement uh, right. i'm like oh that's weird like why would the pharmacy in basement anyway like not thinking too much about it head still pounding uh, I kind of walk my way to the back of the store and I get to the escalator. And of course, the escalator is broken. So I walk down this broken escalator and I get into this dark, dingy basement with 20 or 30 or 40 people in line ahead of me. And um, and my cell phone isn't working. There's no signal down there. Uh, and so I end up waiting in line for an hour and I and I finally get to the counter and I ask the doctor. I'm like, hey, you know, my doctor, I asked the pharmacist, my doctor called in a prescription. Uh, can I get it? And she's she kind of goes to the back of, the back of the pharmacy and kind of rummages around and comes back and is like, hey, I'm really sorry, we're we're out of stock. And I have one of those moments, I'm like, oh, how are you out of stock? It's a pack. it's January. And I was like, don't worry about it. I'll just call my doctor and I'll have him call it in somewhere else. And so, of course, as I pull my cell phone out to dial my doctor, uh, I realize that my cell phone has died searching for Signal for an hour in the basement of the store and I can't get in touch with him. <laughs> Uh, And so I just ended up going home and going to bed and, and I woke up the next, no medication in hand. And I, and I woke up the next morning and I had one of those kind of moments that I think all of us have in our lives, kind of the like, you know, what the f is going on? Like, how could this be so terrible? Like what just happened to me? And that was right. a spark for me um, to really start digging into the pharmacy and pharmaceuticals and um, and the entire sort of experience and what you know through that sort of exploration and through my own personal experience, um, I, I I really came to sort of appreciate uh, the complexity of the pharmacy, um, just how many people it touches. Seventy percent of American adults go to the pharmacy once a month. There's you know at least once a month, and there's. Seventy thousand pharmacies in America, literally one on every street corner it's the second largest yeah. category of retail in the u s and um and it's it's one you know it's one or one and a half percent online and it really hasn't changed in fifty years and there's mm-hmm. this very long list of frustrations that are familiar to all of us, whether it's you know, when you go to your pharmacy, your medication's out of stock, or why don't I know the price until I have to wait in line, and I've already bought the thing, or I, I do have a question about my medication, but I don't want to ask it with ten people in line behind me. And how do I get private and secure advice about my medications in a way that feels comfortable to me? And so we, yeah, you know, through through sort of that experience and through that exploration, really came to the conclusion that there was just a better way for people to get and manage their medications, and that was the spark. You know, one of the sparks behind behind Capsule to go do that, uh, and so that's the business that we, you know, that I started building in in May of 2015, and it was me in a room by myself in a we <laughs> work in the financial district, uh, mm. and and we um, have very rapidly. Um, you know, built the team and and the technology platform and our brand um, to be able to build what Capsule is today.
0: What was it like sort of the, I guess the day you decided, you know, you had to like quit your job, you had to like think about going to WeWork or working at home, like what was that process like just the actual details, because a lot of, you know, it's hard to really think now in 2015 when you had like basically now the business is so large, you have so many employees, you're growing so quickly. But like, what was it like at the very beginning when you're making that transition? I
1: think foundings and beginnings are such special moments. And there's only one founding moment that that you have. And it's so high energy and it's so inspiring. And it's a little bit, maybe more than a little bit, I would say moderately terrifying to do that. And I think in retrospect, what I've come to learn is that I think to really have a shot at being successful, your head and your heart have to align to really take that leap of faith. And so I think the the head part is probably familiar to business school students everywhere. Is it is this a good market? Is this a good industry? How does this work? What's the value chain? Do I think I can build a sustainable business? What's the competitive landscape? What's the regulatory environment? Kind of all of the things that Um, folks learn how to do. And I think you know, that's one half of the equation. And I think the other half of the equation is really, do you have this visceral understanding and passion for the problem you're solving? And do you understand it so that when, and it's when, not if, but when all of your initial assumptions are wrong, what's that sort of source of energy you keep going back to, to know that there's a there there and that there's kind of a reason and inspiration and a, and a fountain of kind of energy to keep pushing forward. And so I've seen a lot of people sort of do the whiteboard exercise, let's start a company. And I think that when the initial assumptions change, it becomes hard to persist. And I've also seen a lot of people take their passions and try to start businesses from them. Um, and I think that those, you know, often have a hard time becoming, you know, scalable, sustainable businesses. And so I think it's really important that your head and your heart align and and it's a match um, and that match creates a spark uh, and I think you'll know sort of I think people know when they feel it um, and mm-hmm. for me it was tremendously energizing and also um, and also terrifying and I think that's the right sort of mix of emotions to feel because I'd say most weeks uh, I'm tremendously energized and also tremendously terrified of uh, five years in.
0: <laughs> wow that's good to know and comforting to know that five years in you're still energized and feeling still nervous. So for the rest of us, you know, it's a long journey. <laughs> How did you meet your co-founder, Sonia?
1: So, you know, the, the, the first thing that I realized that you need to do to, to build a better pharmacy is to build a pharmacy. <laughs> and to build a pharmacy, you need a pharmacist. Uh, and so I had been introduced to Sonia, through a mutual friend and and she was the first person that I asked to join the team. Um, and she was really instrumental in, in building the first version uh the, the physical pharmacy that we, we had at Capsule.
0: What was the physical pharmacy in? Is it still your main pharmacy today?
1: So our first pharmacy was at 25th and 6th in the middle of New York City. Uh, and we uh, pretty quickly uh, outgrew that space. Last year, we outgrew that space. And so we moved our pharmacy to 36th and 5th, still in the middle of New York, uh, mm-hmm. but much, much larger. Uh, and we incorporated all the lessons we learned from from the first time around, workflow and the right layout um, and mm-hmm. all of those things. Uh, and so we're, um, you know, we're, we're operating out of that and, and we have a lot of capacity uh, there now to continue supporting the, the tremendous growth that we've seen in the business.
0: And what are, so for, the, for our listeners, what are Capsule's full list of comprehensive offerings today? Um, so I know I can, you know, get my prescription delivered, but like, what are the other components that are tied in the back end with insurers and pharmacists?
1: So when I came out of my terrible pharmacy experience, I had three insights and the first one I shared, which is that the pharmacy touches everybody and that my experience, unfortunately, wasn't all that uncommon um, and that it is pervasive and there is this familiar set of frustration. The second insight was that the pharmacy is the most frequent interaction in the entire healthcare system and that the average person goes to their pharmacy eight times more often than they go to their doctor. And so if we have collectively as a society and collectively as entrepreneurs, any shot at, at, at delivering higher quality healthcare outcomes at lower costs, which I think is broadly every company in healthcare goal, you know, it's all a matter of how do you do that and how do you get there? And we've always believed that to do that, you need the ability to influence and engage and ultimately change the way consumers engage with and make healthcare decisions. And to help somebody make a different decision or to help influence their decision, they need to trust you. And we believe trust comes from two things. One is frequency of interaction and the other is from building up brand. Um, And that's where we spend a lot of our time. Um, And then the third, the third thing is really what we realized was that the pharmacy and the pharmacist has the opportunity to be the quarterback of the healthcare system and that every important stakeholder in healthcare, the ph- the, the doctor, the hospital, the insurance company, the drug company, all come together at the pharmacy. So there's just a tremendous role for the pharmacist to play and the pharmacy to play in bringing all of those stakeholders together to connect them and make everyone better. And so the mission of the business has always been to build a pharmacy that works for everyone. And that's every consumer and that's every but that's also every doctor, every hospital, every insurance company and every drug company. And we really believe that by by being smarter about how we approach problems by using technology first to develop novel solutions that we can we can solve a lot of people's problems through capsule and through that solution and so where we started was building a pharmacy for the consumer and making that consumer experience proverbial 10 times better experience Mm -hmm. and so the way capsule works is pretty simple there's two ways you can use it one is if you have a prescription that you already have at a pharmacy you can come to our website or our app and you can put in six pieces of information and your you name your birthday what your medications are and then capsule becomes your pharmacy and then you can go through a really simple three-click and checkout flow it's got the you know we'll automatically look at your insurance we've got price of the medication we've got all your doctor's instructions how many refills you have left? You can text or chat with a pharmacist about any questions, whether it's about your insurance or what's a copay or what's my deductible, but also clinical questions like is it okay to take you know iron supplements while I'm pregnant or uh, you know can I can I have a couple beers on you know while I'm taking this medication and anything in between? And we've made that uh, dead simple. And then you have the ability to mm-hmm. basically schedule two-hour same-day delivery uh, anywhere today wow. through uh, five boroughs in New York City. Mm-hmm. The other way you can use capsules is even easier than that, which is you can just your doctor to send a prescription to capsule uh, and then and then you basically have the same flow Um, you've got price transparency you've got the ability to text or chat with a pharmacist along the way and so I think what we've learned is that people love the delivery but but they actually what they really love is the feeling of being looked after and they love Mm -hmm. having somebody that's making sure they never run out of medication and coordinating refills with their doctor Um, they love having the the ability to get advice in a private and secure way. And it's all of the other things sort of wrapped around, wrapped around the pharmacy experience that we've made better, uh, less frustrating. And then of course we've solved a lot of the simple problems, simple for us, but I think hard for the industry, things like persistent out of stocks and, and things like that. We just structurally solve through things like predictive inventory and, and just better, smarter use of algorithms and technology.
0: You focus really on the consumer experience. Can you tell me what are the things that really bring delight to your customers? What have you heard in terms of um, people's responses? And especially now in the time where people you know are scared to leave home or aren't able to leave home as easily, what type of feedback have you seen from that?
1: So customers absolutely have just really taken to the take into the experience. And I think we have built an emotionally resonant consumer experience and an emotionally resonant brand. And so when we look at the reviews and the feedback from consumers, they're saying things like, capsule, I love you. Capsule, will you walk me down <laughs> the aisle at my wedding? Um, and that's really it's really heartening because I think we've really captured this moment where people are super vulnerable uh, with, with the healthcare system. And, and you have these large Entities in healthcare always telling you no, and we think it's important to say yes. And I think people have really had this tremendous outpouring from having the power of healthcare literally put back in their hands.
0: And given the you know given the COVID nineteen impact that we see today, we've seen a lot of guidance from doctors saying people should stock up on months of prescriptions, especially essential ones. Uh, I'm curious to see like what is the surge on demand look like in the last couple of weeks, um, and how have you guys been sort of Preparing for that increase in utilization and demand.
1: so the so the CDC's recommended you know a minimum of thirty days of having minimum thirty days of critical medications on hand, and we have seen, mm-hmm. as you would expect, and I think you're seeing across the board with anything telehealth or digital health related, we've seen a, a substantial surge. In, in utilization and demand for our business, and you know we're prepared uh, and we've you know we've built the technology systems in a way that they're really scalable. Um, mm-hmm. And so we, you know we've been continuing to serve New Yorkers in a time you know more than ever where medication delivery is an essential tool in helping contain the outbreak and helping people you know stay at home, uh, mm-hmm. which is the the broad guidance from from everybody. And so I think it's been really rewarding for me and the team to just be able to serve the community right now um, mm-hmm. because it's super important that people do get their medications and have an adequate supply of them. Um, but it's also super important that they stay at home uh, and capital is making both of those things possible for, for everybody.
0: Do you see any risks moving forward and like how do you plan to mitigate them in terms of if this continues for you know, more than 30 days?
1: Uh, we're not seeing any risks you know we're seeing we're seeing continued ability to get medications um, and we're seeing continued ability of our business to Mm -hmm. continue to and our team to continue to support everybody so i'm not seeing anything right now that would give me concern but we do think it's important that people use use medication delivery uh, as opposed to you know venturing out into into pharmacies right now
0: and i guess i'm curious as sort of this is related to prescription delivery in some sense but has Capsule looked into sort of expanding to at-home test kits um, regarding whether it's it's for COVID-19 or just in general, like at-home test kits for other symptoms, other diseases or other sort of conditions?
1: I think one of the things that's really interesting about the pharmacy is that because it's the most frequent touchpoint in the healthcare system, there's a lot of opportunity to continue reducing friction for consumers and the rest of the things they do in healthcare. Um, whether that's seeing a doctor, whether that's getting a test kit, whether that's booking a doctor's appointment, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things. And so, I think we're always looking at, you know, what are other ways that we can continue to serve the consumer. And then for us, it's just a matter of, like, focus and prioritization and making sure that, you know, with the things that we're going to do that we're going to do 150% well versus trying to do 10 things and 60% um, mm-hmm. well. And so we've got a pretty big roadmap and really really large ambitions for. What the business can become as the hub of healthcare for consumers, but for right. now we're pretty laser focused on on the medication piece.
0: Uh, I love to talk about sort of the long term vision in a couple uh, in a in a couple questions, but I'm curious um, in terms of the current um, COVID nineteen uh, crisis that we're living through. I recently moved to obviously prescription delivery because I also don't want to leave my house, and I actually have been sort of delaying that process. (laughs) I I live in Philadelphia, so I don't have Capsule. (laughs) Um, But do you think this is a good opportunity for Capsule to increase the number of patients who are looking for online delivery? What are the views on this impact long-term? Because you mentioned, you know, online delivery is only 1% of people today, but as we live through this time, do you think there's a long-term shift that will happen with patient behavior? I
1: think what we're seeing now is people that have not previously engaged in things like telemedicine or digital pharmacy are mm-hmm. are trying them out. And I think if they have a good experience with digital health tools broadly, they'll continue to use them. So I do mm-hmm. think that there is you know, this is a moment in time where there's increased awareness around things like telehealth and, prescri- and medication delivery and digital pharmacy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think my expectation would be that if folks like Capsule um, deliver, you know, continue to deliver an, an amazing experience and solve people's problems, um, mm-hmm. there should be no reason that, that folks don't continue to use those as, um, as some of the things around COVID um, calm down.
0: And I'm curious, what do you think about Sort of players like Uber yesterday mentioned that they would be moving towards healthcare delivery services, including prescriptions, just given that there's a natural decline in you know, people looking to take Ubers outside.
1: Right now, we think anybody that's contributing to helping people stay at home and helping people keep safe and healthy is just a really good thing. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a really important thing. And you know, we're the we're the largest, you know, we're the largest in New York. Um and I think we've mm-hmm. built the best product offering because we have our own pharmacy and our own pharmacists and we built our own proprietary technology platform end to end that powers our entire thing. I think everybody that's looking to contribute right now to to help the community stay safe is just mm-hmm. a really great thing.
0: Right. It sounds like all the private companies are switching to um, um, helping with the crisis, which is really, really uh, optimistic for for us to see. Speaking of doubling down in New York, you sounds like in the first four years you built a really strong group of customer evangelists. Um, I'm curious where you see Capsule expanding in terms of location and cities after New York, and what is next for Capsule. So
1: we think look, New York City is New York City is only three percent of the U.S. population, and we we believe that everybody should have access to free medication delivery. And so our goal over the next 18 to 36 months is to bring Capsule from Manhattan to Manhattan Beach um, and to be able to serve as many Americans as possible. And that work is well underway.
0: Awesome. And in terms of beyond location expansion, could you share what's exciting in terms of the roadmap moving forward for Capsule or sort of talk about more of the long-term vision that you uh, mentioned earlier?
1: The long-term vision and mission of the business is to build a pharmacy that works for everyone. And so we're really committed to not only how we make consumers' lives easier, but how do we reduce the friction on doctors? The average doctor sees a patient for 7 minutes, and mm-hmm. if half of that is spent dealing with paperwork or pharmacy interactions or things that take away from a doctor counseling uh, a patient on how to live a better healthier life, we want to help the doctor uh, remove that burden from from her. And same with insurance companies. Insurance companies are ultimately responsible for paying for uh, the health care of, of everyone. And so the ways that we can help ensure that people get and me- take their medications and manage them on an ongoing basis drives down longer-term health care costs. If you're taking your blood pressure medications every day consistently, and Capsule can help you do that, then you know we're preventing people going to the hospital a year later if they're not doing that. So I think that's, that's what's on the long-term roadmap is is really continuing to build the pharmacy that works for everyone um, and continuing to bring more and more people um, be a bit available to use capsule uh, outside of New York.
0: And have you um, considering partnering with provider side in terms of adding telemedicine components or more of the, the continuous virtual care aspect?
1: So we already partner with thousands and thousands of doctors in New York who mm-hmm. are very, very passionate about capsule and the benefits that we bring to their practice their staff and their patients and then you know we announced a partnership in december with oscar health insurance uh, which is a large health insurer with a -hmm. a base of operations in new york but in a number of other markets Uh, and they have uh, a big component of their business is telemedicine and we support all of their members with their prescription needs Uh, and delivery and and being able to do all the things that I talked about, chat or text with a pharmacist. And so a lot of those things are already um, happening uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of continuing to partner with others in the ecosystem.
0: Awesome. It sounds like Capsule is doing all the right things and we're super thankful for um, what you do for the city. I'm excited when you expand to Philadelphia. In terms of culture and hiring, what is sort of your perspective on building and maintaining culture at Capsule? What are the, the values that you have when you're hiring?
1: We've spent a lot of time on on culture and we think it's such an important part of building a successful, resilient, long-term organization. And I think every group of people, you know, whether it's your study group, whether it's your church group, your sports team, your friend group has a culture. And for us, culture is what are the behaviors that are rewarded and, and accepted and what are the behaviors that are rejected and, and punished. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we don't think so much about good cultures and bad cultures. We think about cultures that are either aligned with the mission and the purpose and the objectives of that group or an organization or cultures that are misaligned with the purpose and objectives. Um, So I always like to give the example of Google and Amazon to both very, very successful, highly impactful companies, Um, very, very different cultures because they had very, Mm -hmm. very different business objectives. You know, Google operates in one type of industry where, you know, where Google's number one objective, you know, is and remains was to continue to find big moonshot ideas Mm -hmm. that that can propel their company. You know, Amazon operates in a low margin retail, highly competitive industry where they have um a very clear roadmap, um or at least did when they started the business on where they wanted to take the business. So very, very Execution-oriented, um, and I think both of those cultures supported the objectives and the and the mission of the of the businesses. And so, for mm-hmm. Capsule, we've kept it very simple. We have two values, um, and everything we do is supported by our two values and in, in line with them. One is everybody needs some looking after sometimes, and the other is winning together. Mm-hmm. And everybody needs some looking after sometimes is the idea that the best brands in the world are internally and externally aligned, so that the promise you make to your consumer uh, is the same promise the team makes to itself. And so, the promise we make. To all of our customers and all of our doctors and all of our partners is that we will enable you to live your best life by giving you the peace of mind that comes from having your healthcare looked after. Mm -hmm. And what that translates to... what that translates to internally is how does a team help one another do their best work and enable their best work? So how do we anticipate people's needs? How do we make decisions quickly? Those are the types of things that enable people to do the best work of their careers and their lives. The second value is winning together. And that reflects three things. One is that healthcare for a long time has been zero sum. If the doctor wins, the insurance company loses. If the drug company, you know, if the drug company loses, the insurance company wins. And we don't think the world has to be that way. We think you can use process and technology and, and, and different type of thinking and different business models, so that everyone can be successful and everyone can win. Um, the second is we have an incredibly diverse team. We have, you know, we have mm-hmm. people with. Uh, you know, advanced degrees in computer science. Um, we have couriers, we have pharmacy technicians and pharmacists and salespeople. And you know, we've got this really, really amazing diverse team. And the mm-hmm. magic of Capsule is when a salesperson and a pharmacist team up to solve a doctor's problem, or when uh, a pharmacy technician and a software engineer team up to build better software that enables us to serve our customers uh, in a more delightful way. And mm-hmm. so we celebrate those wins across teams. Mm-hmm. And then the third is, who are the types of people we ask to join the team and who are the types of people we ask to lead the team and for me winning has always been about accomplishing ambitious ambitious objectives and together is doing that in a way where your success is uplifting and empowering to those around you and so I think I've met a lot of people along the way that uh, can get ambitious ac- ambitious things done um, but they do it in a way that doesn't leave people around them uh, inspired or feeling great um, and I decided right. early on I want those folks on the team. Uh, We've also met a lot of people that are great at making other people around them uh, feel great, but they never get anything done. Mm-hmm. We also realize that we don't want those people on the team. And so that's how we think about hiring. Um, we think about bringing folks onto the team and asking people to join the team when they're able to exhibit both the ability to accomplish incredibly ambitious objectives and, 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 and to do that in a way where their success is uplifting and empowering and motivating for those around them to also Mm -hmm. accomplish ambitious objectives uh, and to enable everyone to do their best work.
0: Wow, I I think that's like the right way to think about hiring, especially sometimes when you are scaling from a five person to 400 person company, it's hard to really maintain that culture. So it's really awesome to hear that you have really solidified the two values and also really stood by them. I'm curious, just given that some of our audience members are business school students, or even people looking for, you know, their next full time role in healthcare and looking to contribute. Um, what roles, sort of, what areas are you hiring for, um, and where can they sort of reach out if they are interested? We
1: are hiring across the board. We are just looking for smart, talented, passionate people that are aligned with winning together and looking after and enabling their teammates' best work. If there's not a role on our, so our website is capsule.com and there's a careers page. If there's not a role that seems like it's a good fit, we also have a create your own role. Send your resume in, tell us about yourself, tell us what you're passionate and energized by, and we'll take a look. But We're always looking for incredibly talented people to join the team. And we're in a tremendous growth phase right now. And so it's a good time.
0: All right, everyone reach out. In terms of the last couple questions before we wrap up, You've attended both Wharton and GSB. What have you gained from both experiences? And how do you think about the values and the benefits that business school brought for you while you were scaling your new venture?
1: As an undergrad, Wharton, for me, really gave me the tools and the fundamentals uh, of business. And so everything from corporate finance valuation to understanding how markets and industries work to getting exposed to high-level leadership concepts, um, marketing, kind of the broad-based. 360 view of of business and finance and economics Um, and so that was just an incredible foundation to build my career upon and then and then the GSB was really valuable because I had spent four years working uh, before that and so I'd had all of these uh, actual real life work experiences that I was able to that was able to contextualize the academic theory and the and the practice theory from, from business school, from professors who had also scaled their own their own businesses. And I think that was one of the most valuable parts for me of business school was really being able to, I think, find space to understand you know what my authentic leadership style was, um, mm-hmm. to be able to meet an incredibly talented set of peers who are excellent in their own industries and to be able to learn from them. Um, but it was really about it was really about being able to learn from incredible entrepreneurs who, uh, you know, who became professors or came to lecture, and to be able to really tackle through real life problems um, that they had faced uh, in scaling and starting their own businesses. And I think those lessons um, have stayed with me as as we've scaled Capsule. So I think mm-hmm. for for me, both of them were really valuable. I don't think that I had enough life experience and life context to appreciate the incredible leadership curriculum at Wharton um, at that age, I think it exposes Mm -hmm. you to those things and it makes you aware of them and you're paying attention, but having actually the first time you have to manage somebody and the first time you have to hire somebody and the first time you have to give a performance review and the first time you have to ask somebody to leave your company. Mm -hmm. um, I think all of those things, um, when you can kind of have a little bit more experience and go back, and contextualize those things and, and learn from others who have done that. And to have a little bit of space mid it's not quite mid-career, it's you know, four, five, six years out, but to have a little mm-hmm. bit of space after working for a little bit to understand how you best utilize your skills to make the impact that you want to make in the world. And I think it's not always obvious when you graduate college, like what the impact you want to make in the world is and how you do that. And I think after after working for four or five, six years, I think you've got more perspective in being able to do that and you've also got an incredible set of peers around you that can help you think through those things and then and then put those things in motion and action um, Mm -hmm. so that as you come out of as you come out of graduate school or business school um, you know you can you can put your career and and your experiences on the track that you want um, Mm -hmm. to be able to make the impact in the world that you want
0: what was your sort of favorite memory from gsb Uh, Whether it's like a fun, you know, travel story or more of like a, wow, this professor said something very insightful moment.
1: I'll give you one of each. I think the best pithy wisdom from business school is from a professor uh, that's been there forever, named Ruf Rasmek, and he has, uh, you know, he has a kind of phrase, which is, um, if you want, you know, if you want, and I'm going to paraphrase, but it's like, you know, if you want to be safe, like buy a toaster. Uh, and and the and the idea is that like the world is uncertain, and that mm-hmm. entre- entrepreneurship is risky, but not pursuing entrepreneurship is also risky because the world is uncertain, and so should pursue what your passions are. And that's the only way to not have risk in your life. Because if you're doing what you love, um, regardless of what the outcome is, you're doing what you love. And then my favorite business school story is I think between my first and second year for New Year's, there was a group of us that had gone to India and, and there were like eight of us and the hotel we were staying at had canceled like canceled or didn't book our, our hotel. And so <laughs> they, they were like, we have a family room. And so we had like eight of us piled into this like tiny little hotel room. And it was just kind of one of those fun, hilarious moments with your friends <laughs> and your classmates to kind of just work through like an inevitable obstacle. And I think those are kind of... The moments where you forge these like really deep friendships because mm-hmm. you're just kind of in a problem you're like kind of in a problem solution kind of place in like a, a really foreign way and and that was always sort of heartening to think back about that.
0: Yeah it's good to know that I've been on a couple travel trips and there's always a disaster and how you can really bond over that. In terms of uh, moving sort of to the more like founder um, startup audience. What are sort of your perspectives and advice in terms of in the economic uncertainty uh, that we live today? How do you think these Companies should prepare in terms of fundraising and operations in a you know a market where either slowed down a lot or halted.
1: Uh, I think that you know the market's obviously super uncertain right now, and so I think my overarching view is great companies, great teams, and great entrepreneurs with great products. There is almost always capital for those in good times and bad. It might not be at the price you want and the valuation you want, but I think that like all crises, this will pass as, at some point as well, and I ho- and hopefully you know, without doing too much damage to society, um, because everyone is, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people lean in to really contribute and address the crisis as what it is, which is a public health crisis. But, but you know, so I don't, I don't know how the, I don't know where things are gonna shake out in two weeks, three months, six months, but, you know, over mm-hmm. some extended period of time, there, the world needs talented entrepreneurs, and there are a lot of people that want to enable those entrepreneurs to succeed with capital.
0: Thank you for your encouraging words. So I'm going to wrap up the podcast. I'm really happy that you took out the time to speak with us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice to be able to share the story.